you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the League Podcast. Openly fears Papa John. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hans, and I'm joined by a room filled with some heroes, Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. What is happening? We've got to get the energy level up from Wesseling. A little downcast after a somewhat underwhelming Sunday of divisional round games. I was a little disappointed with the quality of the games. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue. the weekend on a whole doesn't really compare well to wildcard weekend, which was one of the better wildcard weekends in recent memory. But I think from a big picture perspective, I could not be more thrilled and not just because I went 4-0 this week in my picks. Nicely done, Dan. So, you know, that happened. But All favorites. Because, be, but be, it does not matter if they're favorites or not. <laughs> because then why wouldn't everyone have picked them in the in A lot of group? people did. A lot of people went 4-0. <clears throat> not you, gentlemen. No, not I did I. terrible. Um, my point being is that we have two dream matchups next Sunday set up. Of course, you have the Seattle Seahawks, the best team in the NFC facing the San Francisco 49ers, the second best team in the NFC. You could flip them if you want, potentially. In the AFC, we have the rematch we've been waiting years for. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, four for all the marbles that will settle a lot of things. Settle a lot of things, including who are the uh, conference champions, Broncos, Pats. I'm excited about next week, and we had to do some... You had yeah. to take care of business this Some weekend business. to get to next weekend. I can't wait to see LeGarrette Blunt and Monte Ball settling the Peyton Manning-Tom Brady debate. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus, you, you know, you said we got some heroes there. We're missing Mr. Sessler, of course, and he'll be back and healthy soon yeah, enough, hope. uh, hopefully on Tuesday. But we do have an extra hero in the back, K-Rich, on the mic. What up, K-Rich? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You got to love it. K-Rich, K-Rich. Hey, K. Rich. Hey, guys. Are these not four teams that super deserve to be there? Yeah, for sure. Nope. Isn't that great? No question. Nobody got picked off in some like stupid game. Although there were three of these games, or at least two of these games, it almost happened where the team that maybe wasn't the better team almost pulled it out, but it didn't happen. Why don't we get Let's into get these into games? It. Unless, K. Rich, you have anything else you want to say? No, I'm just saying, when I was watching that game, the... The Denver Broncos take on the Chargers. I was a little bit on the edge of my seat, thinking that if the Chargers get in here, I remember Wes saying, the Chargers can't have nice things. Mm. <laughs> the Bengals can't have nice things. Was it the Bengals? Well, the Chargers well, really I, don't can't think, either, I don't think this season Chargers is their had, year. Chargers have not had many nice things. All right, so why don't, we, why don't we start there? Peyton Manning welcomed Wes Welker back into the lineup with a touchdown toss, and the Denver Broncos narrowly avoided a repeat of their playoff slip from last year, advancing to the AFC Championship game with a 24-17 win over the San Diego Chargers on Sunday. Uh, the Broncos controlled this game for three and a half quarters. Uh, Phillip Rivers got the, Bron- uh, the Chargers back in the game, but ultimately Peyton Manning and company were able to um, ice the game with a drive late in the fourth quarter, and the Broncos roll on. They beat the Chargers at their own game, controlled the clock, kept the offense off the field, ran the ball, and played good defense. 
it's amazing they won in a game that they were pretty sloppy on offense in the red zone. I mean, the receivers made a lot of mental errors, some drops. They could have had a lot more points in this game. But my big takeaway was right at the end, flashbacks to divisional round last year when they run the ball on third and seven and punt it back to Joe Flacco and count on the defense. Instead, John Fox and Adam Gase, give them some credit. They're throwing the ball on second and 17. They're throwing the ball on third and 17. Manning steps up, avoids some pressure. Really nice play to Julius Thomas, who is wide open. Aggression. It was rewarded. It was, and this was a game where... Um, Peyton Manning did not put up gaudy statistics, and the Peyton Manning haters, I'm sure, will be able to cook up some type of nonsense to explain <laughs> why the, he doesn't even deserve to be moving forward. Adam Rank, this might be you, uh, if you're okay tonight. But ultimately, third and 17, 306 to play, a beautiful sideline pass to Julius Thomas for 21 yards. Uh, the next uh, set of downs, third and six, now 212 remaining in the games. Game nine yard pass for another first down again to t- Thomas. Those were that was some double onions from Peyton Manning and Julius Thomas deserves credit as well. And that's how you win games, and that's what they didn't do last year. In a game in which you could see and hear the wind, uh, you could hear it every time uh, on the microphone. Every time the ref made a call, Peyton Manning came through, and you know it was a really good game pl- game plan by the Broncos not to have him throwing the entire game. Not throwing deep, and they tried to go deep a few times like they did towards the end of the regular season. It didn't really work out. It was amazing the Chargers were even in that spot because this was a 17-point game going into the fourth quarter. It was a blowout. The Chargers had 79 yards of offense through three quarters. Of all the things that happened on divisional round weekend, that was the most surprising to me, that Denver's defense came out and just dominated the game, and that that's a good sign for them. If they play three quarters like that two more times, Peyton Manning's winning the second title. Well, we have to take the competition, the level of competition, into account, but they've held four of their last of five opponents to fewer than 260 total yards. By the way, did either of you guys just, I don't want to get off point, uh, but during the third quarter there was a Papa John's commercial. Did Papa John, <laughs> This is off point. Yeah, did Papa John make eye contact with either of you at one point and then just keep it and then you try to change the channel and his eyes were still staring at you? That didn't happen to me, but every time I see a Papa John's commercial, I find something else to do. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I, I mean, Peyton, Something demonic happened. I mean, Peyton Manning, his performance in these commercials is – gone downhill and is more shameful than all the playoff performances Damashek wants to talk about. This used to be the greatest pitchman of our time, and he's That's ruining funny. his reputation with these Papa Johns. When he was 34, 33, 34, he was the best ever. And almost like a natural quarterback progression, he's tailed off, but in real life, he's remained excellent. All right, back wow. to the game. You guys have a lot of respect for Peyton Manning's commercials. He's pretty good. I think they're among Cut the lamest I've ever seen. Cut that meat. Oh. Iconic. <laughs> I think You're Papa right. John makes him weird. He's doing the moonwalk in uh, one of them. Yeah, the he's whole, literally right behind yeah, you right now. <laughs> we need we need to move on before a shadowy league figure also comes in. Yeah, uh, moonwalks into the studio. <laughs> I just wanted I wanted something out of this weekend because it was a little bit lacking in late game drama. I wanted to see Rivers get the ball. Of course, I did. I picked them and I've enjoyed watching them all year. Get the ball with a chance to win because they they shouldn't have been in this game and yet they started scoring the minute that Chris Harris left the game and Quinton Jammer came in. And that'll be something to watch over the next week. They get the onside kick. They go right back down the field again. You got the sense if San Diego could get it one more time, 
that this just could be one of those crazy games, but it didn't happen. Yeah, I think that's another another defense took kind of took its foot off the gas pedal. Uh, Seattle seemed to do that against the Saints too. The Broncos and the Patriots, who you know make it this far because of Manning and Brady more than anything because of their passing games, you know they both had good defensive performances this weekend, and they both ran the ball well. No Sean Monty Ball. It's kind of you. You wrote about that. It's been a running weekend. There's going to be a lot of talk about that. Yeah, everybody knows it's a pass-heavy league now, and then Bill Belichick kind of turned it on its head. He said this three or four years ago. I'm acquiring people to run a power offense. Everyone else is acquiring two tight ends after he had already done that. He seems to see the trends before other people. Why not run power against all these nickel and dime defenses that you're seeing? No, Sean Reno, 23 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown. Monte Ball, 10 carries for 52 yards. Uh, that's 33 rushes for a Denver Broncos team that set the NFL scoring record this year. So, yeah, they changed up their strategy a little here. Ryan Matthews' injury was a big factor. I thought he couldn't stay on the field. You know, Rivers missed a couple throws. Didn't play poorly, I wouldn't say, but he missed a couple throws. Their margin for error was so thin. The right side of their offensive line couldn't protect. I mean, it comes back to Denver's defense. I was really surprised because I thought it was going to be a big weak spot, and they had pressure on Rivers all day. How about some love for pot roast? Terrence Knighton has been playing out of his mind the past six weeks or so. Malik mm. Jackson has been one of the better interior pass rushers. The the uh, Jeremy Mincy signing was good, and the linebackers have been okay. Uh, one one question I have for you guys: You are fantasy experts in a prior <laughs> life. Where does Keenan Allen go in next year's fantasy drafts? Because I mm. had this argument with a friend at a bar today. I would say he get drafted like borderline borderline wide receiver two, wide receiver three, which is what fourth or fifth round. I'd say about fifth round. Yeah, that's mm. about what I would think, and maybe even third or fourth. Well, what were you thinking? I thought he was going to be maybe a third-round guy, you know, and he's he's gotten better and better as the season's progressed, and he's number one. He's the man on that offense. The ghost of Antonio Gates, two catches for 10 yards, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad that I even thought about Antonio Gates for the Pro Bowl this year. He did start out the year well, he but great. he totally disappeared. He had a bad game. Your boy, Lardarius Green, with a big drop yeah. in this game at a, at a crucial point for San Diego. Moving on. LeGarrette Blount had four touchdown runs. That's insane. And the New England Patriots <laughs> kept Andrew Luck from a second straight comeback win, beating the Indianapolis Colts 43-22 on Saturday night to advance to their third straight AFC conference title game, where, of course, they will meet the Broncos. Uh, Blount scored on... Three two-yard runs in the first half, then burst through the right side of the line and rumbled 73 yards in the second half. A complete, um, just complete domination in that spot, which, you know, I called it as an X factor when we wrote up the pieces this week. I, Of course, I cannot cop to thinking this was going to happen. Blount carrying the Patriots offense? Now, are we going with Blount or Blunt? As the, it a, the, I think it's Blunt. blunt. Is it Blunt? blunt. blunt. Like a Blunt. Like instrument, a, you, oh, blunt, like a blunt instrument, smoking that's where a he blunt. Was going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know that's where I thought he was going. Yeah. Me and Dan kind of looked at each other like, um, where are we going with this? You know where it's going. Hey, Legarrette <laughs> Blunt, this isn't just a one week phenomenon. This was actually a come down from his game against what? Buffalo. I'm not even kidding. He had a better game against Buffalo in Week 17. Yeah, like 364 total yards. He had 189 <laughs> yards on the ground. He had two long kick returns. We talked about LeGarrette Blunt as kind of the face of this Patriots team. That you're, He's not the guy you expected at the beginning of the season. It's not quite the offense you expected. 
but it's very effective. They are a very good power-running offensive team, and that could be a problem for Denver. It, it could be a big problem. Garrett Blunt's averaging seven yards per carry over the last three weeks with eight touchdowns. You can't stop him. He's he's got to be the most feared runner in the NFL right now. They acquired Legarrette Blunt for a seventh round pick in April, and the track guy don't Jeff, even, Jeff Demps. Yeah, yeah. We don't even really need to say who he What's is. What's he doing now? Uh, he's training running, for the Olympics. He's just jumping over hurdles in the darkness somewhere. <laughs> and now this guy has emerged as Jerome Bettis in his prime. It's, <laughs> it's absurd what's going on here. It's a great run blocking line. They've kind of. I think what they do well and why the Patriots, not to be too big of a homer, why they have such a good December record over the years and why they always close strong, I think by the end of the year, Belichick and the staff, they figure out what they are and what they do well, and they kind of realize, hey, we've got Ridley here as a very good backup. Uh, we've got Blunt is running well. We've got a good run blocking line. Let's, let's stick with that. Now, you could let it out, Greg. You know, you could I could let it out. You could drop a Boston Strong if you want. <laughs> Go ahead. Were, was there a point in this game that you just thought Andrew Luck was going to come back and evaporate this Patriots defense and, and make yes. me miserable? Yes, after both those back-to-back throws where he climbed the pocket and just uncorked a perfect pass down the field. Yeah, I, I thought Andrew Luck was going to do it, but... He uh, too many mistakes by him, and he clearly he clearly needs help on that on that I offense. Was, that was going to be my follow up question. Uh, the obviously the Colts had that amazing, memorable win over the Chiefs, but let's not get crazy. They were down thirty eight ten at one point, and the Chiefs kind of folded. Um, how close are the Colts from actually being a big boy in the AFC, or are they kind of far off still? Well, you have to consider he lost his number one running back, number one tight end, and number one wide receiver before the end of October. So you get – I don't know if Bradshaw's coming back. Wayne's going to be 35. His left tackle is still Anthony Costanzo, unless I'm unaware of some change. And his guards are even more of a problem. And his center. His interior blocking is just awful. But don't you think the biggest disappointment, if I'm a Colts fan in this game, is that the defense, it's a defensive coach that they have, has made no progress. Since the day he got there, I think their defense has been better than the sum of their parts. But here they are in the playoffs and late in the season, they're giving up 40 points in two straight games. And there really has been no progress from the Peyton Manning era defenses to this. I would say they're worse now. And it doesn't just stop with Chuck Pagano. We love Ryan Grigson, but he should get a little heat for this. They had Mm. as much salary cap space with anybody. And they used it on Eric Walden, Laurent Landry, uh, Ricky Jean-Francois, and these guys haven't made them a great defense. They have, they're not any better than they were last year. A uh, guy in our newsroom, Mike Coppinger, made a, a good joke about, it's like, Ron Landry, Landry is his middle name, and taking a bad angle is his last <laughs> name, basically. Because, I mean, he was a big part of some of these big runs and some of the big plays by the Patriots, and he'll make big plays, but he'll also kill you. That's interesting, because he was such a great player for the Jets last year. And they wanted to keep him. They couldn't. The Colts, that's one move that Grigson made to make and, sure he got him, and he didn't help And he looked spot. really good early in this year. He had year. moments. He had great moments. He, had a, he was a key part of the, their win over the Dolphins. I don't, I don't think they're far away from being a major contender because they have Andrew Luck. So why, right. why can't they make the playoffs or have a good chance every year, and then you got a chance? Uh, Trent Richardson finished the season from hell three carries for one yard along of two. There was never a point in that game where you wanted to see Trent Richardson with the ball if you were a Colts fan. Is he on well, the team? Yeah, I want to see him. Is he on that <laughs> team week one next year? 
Yes. I, yeah, I think so. Definitely. But it it struck me how that performance, if you had looked at this box score, you know, back in week three after this trade happened, you would have thought that would have been such a big story. That Trent Richardson, the guy they gave up a first-round pick for, had one yard on three carries a week after he mm-hmm. had a fumble on his only carry. And yet, no one was really talking about Richardson, because at this point, he's become almost a non-story. It just got worse every single week. It's crazy. I would like to say about this game, I knew my Colts pick was in trouble before the game started. That Early that afternoon when I saw a quote from Bill Belichick saying how proud he was of his team, Bill, Bill Belichick had emotion. <laughs> he had emotion. He's proud of these More guys. More than seven smiles in this yeah. press conference. <laughs> and, and Greg's been talking about how this reminds him of the early 2000s teams, and I just didn't take that into account. I should have. That was a big mistake by me. And the fact that I picked against Tom Brady, which just doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Why would you pick against Tom Brady? It, it is weird, though. It, it's still hard to wrap my mind around the fact that one of the best offenses in the league is led by Julian Edelman as their number one receiver and a guy they traded Jeff Dems for. Yeah. We will be getting, obviously, into Sunday's game all week during the podcast. But, Greg, I do want to – I'm just curious, as the Patriots guy in this group, how do you feel your opening thoughts about heading towards Peyton Brady Bowl 4? I feel good. I felt, I felt pretty good all year about this team. They're in, a, in the spot that I was hoping they would get to. It doesn't quite make sense. But I like it. I feel pretty confident. I mean, it's how can you not in, how can you not like Brady Manning? I mean, it, w- it would have been easier if it was Patriots Chargers. But how can you not like I, that? I feel better after seeing Jamie Collins as a difference maker. Yes, hmm. I thought he was. I mean, he has been coming on slowly, and you wonder if they when they put spikes on injured reserve, and there's some dispute over why that was. Whether knowing they knew. that knowing that Jamie Collins is going to be on the field a ton. It, I thought it made them a better defense not to have, to have Collins over Spikes. I've never seen a player quite like him at his size that can cover people well, like I mean, him. Against a team that has to be a pass-heavy team like the Colts, if it was a run-heavy team, maybe you'd rather have Spikes, but Collins is definitely better on the field against the Colts. We'll talk about this game, but my my take is whatever defense can give a C-plus or B-minus performance, that team is going to go to the Super Bowl. Because neither defense is very good. But they just the Patriots need to do something like they did against Indianapolis, which is just force a bunch of turnovers. And, and they have been known to do that this year. Marshawn Lynch ran for 140 yards and two touchdowns. Steven Hauschka kicked three field goals in blustery conditions. And Seattle's defense flustered Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints in a 23-15 victory Saturday. In the NFC Divisional Playoff Games, the top-seeded Seahawks advance to the NFC title game for the second time in franchise history and will host the San Francisco 49ers. Thoughts on this game, fellas? Yes. uh, The only reason this was not a blowout, and we can serve and volley semantics on whether it was or not, I feel like the Seahawks controlled the game from start to finish, much like the Broncos did. They, they absolutely controlled the game. The only reason it wasn't a blowout was the onside kick, same thing in the Broncos game, and Daryl Bevel called one of the worst games I've ever seen called. <laughs> he just decided that Russell Wilson couldn't pass anymore, and he was just going to run it every play because he was so confident his defense w- would stop Drew Brees. And it was just like how not to call a football game out of aggression. You've lost all perspective here because you picked – a huge blowout for the Seahawks. You and Dan, who just think the Seahawks have to win every game at home by 40 points, you're not Wait, watching the game that? as it's happening. The, you know, they missed, the Saints missed two kicks. At halftime, 
I know the score was 60 nothing, but I felt the opposite. I felt it was so much closer than that. The total yardage was close. They're moving Drew the ball. Drew Brees had the fewest passing yards of his career. And yet, and yet the Seahawks weren't doing anything either. First downs in this game, 25 for New Orleans, 13 for Seattle. I thought the Seahawks- How is that not a close game? It looked to me like two fairly evenly matched teams. This was a total stinker in the fourth, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and the Seahawks had played a C-minus game and were still whooping this team, um, beating them decisively until it got tight, tight late. I, di- I just thought there was a misleading score, and the it Seahawks were the See, much better was, team. I thought it was the other way around because the Seahawks, the Saints missed two field goals, and they got stopped on fourth down. They had four drives that went into Seahawks territory where they got no points. It was definitely a misleading score. They needed a onside kick and a touchdown with 30 seconds left in the game to make it look close. What is your concern level, Dan? Yes. As the biggest Seahawks fan in the room. <laughs> not not a great title, but here. Yeah. Yeah, out of the three of us. Uh, Russell Wilson, passing game. I, not, I, not really doing it lately. Here's a little, uh, here's a little play on words. I'm going to give Russell Wilson a pass on his passing game yesterday. How about that? Can I leave now? No? All right. I'll continue with my analysis. Um, that was, that was ter- terrible conditions. Uh, Drew Brees didn't know what to do with it either initially. And then the, the play calling, he didn't get a, a lot to do after that. He lost Percy Harvin again to a concussion. Uh, yes, Russell Wilson has had uh, some blips on the radar this season. Uh, but I'm not going to go too crazy about what I saw yesterday. It was just it was a game that was made for the run and – and Marshawn Lynch was the guy that was going to carry the team. I still feel very much, I feel very strongly that Wilson has a chance. He has that Tom Brady type DNA where he can become maybe one of the best playoff quarterbacks of his generation. I think he has that in him, that DNA, and I think it will come out next week. And when push came to shove, that third down, again, aggressive call by the Seahawks that they threw the ball on third down, late in the game, instead of trying to milk the clock, and they hit a 24-yard throw, a beautiful catch by Doug Baldwin. That really puts that game away. Yeah, they were forced to do that because of the, uh, I don't know, 18 possessions in a row where they just ran the ball every time (laughs) and put themselves in that spot that they had no business being in. I thought it was a big story in this game, Percy Harvin's concussion. He looked really good early. That huge third down catch in traffic. Uh, and then Golden Tate, I, I don't know why he wasn't checked for a concussion after that early first mm. quarter hit because he slept through the rest of the game. Mm. Every catch after that, he couldn't catch it, and then it looked like he was out of it on the onside kick that he missed. And let's give yeah, and let's give a lot. Let's give it up for Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch, because in a game where Golden Tate disappeared, Harvin got hurt, the conditions were bad. Lynch was the one guy that the Seahawks could lean on and Carroll could lean on to get the job done. 140 yards, two touchdowns uh, on 28 carries. He's, he is, to me, kind of an unsung hero. Even among when you rank running backs, he's, he's really the first guy that comes up when you start rattling off the best guys in the league. And yet he does it every week, and he's been doing it almost consistently for three years now. We give it up. We've got to give it up for the guy. This guy's a beast. Yeah, he is. Mode. He- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, go ahead. I was gonna say it's just it's one of the reasons why next week's matchup is so much fun because they're so similar in a lot of ways. Lynch is a lot more fun to watch, I think, than Frank Gore. But they're these two power running backs who can shake off a lot of tacklers. They they are so similar, but right now I wouldn't have believed this uh, six weeks ago. I have a lot more faith in the Forty ers passing game than I do the Seahawks. I do too. It was this Seahawks Saints game was it was a straight. I wrote the 
you know, game story afterwards. And it was kind of a hard game to put a theme to, you know what I mean? And when, the more I thought about it, it's because the Seahawks team, what they are is a collection of like five or six defensive players who are all so talented, they can take over any play and just win that play. Cam Chancellor had a huge game. Bobby Wagner had a huge game. Earl Thomas totally shut down Jimmy Graham. Michael Bennett had a big game. Michael Bennett had a monster game. Cliff Averill made a couple plays for them. And it's you have to give it up for John Schneider and Pete Carroll. This is kind of their vision of when they came into Seattle, this is the team they wanted. They are built to win these ugly games where it's somehow not that impressive. But that's that's what they are. That's what they're built to do. And I... I... Uh, Mike Silver, NFL Media's Mike Silver, wrote a really good piece uh, breaking down the Seahawks. Yesterday he was at the game, and he ma- he made a good point, and he's right, is that you know while other teams maybe rested on their laurels, the, the Seahawks, they stayed aggressive. Cliff Averill uh, was a big player for the Lions, and they got him at a bargain rate. Michael Bennett was a guy that everybody saw. We wrote about him at the end of last season, how he was potentially one of the best defensive players on the market. He went out and got both of them at low prices, and they've become major players along that defensive line. Two guys that they were able to sign because Russell Wilson makes under a million dollars. Right, that will change <laughs> yeah. eventually. That That's a factor, but you still have to give him credit. And Schneider, who comes from Green Bay, but he doesn't act like Green Bay, you know, the Packers who just refused to sign any free agents because that's their philosophy and they won't jump off that philosophy. Bob McGinn wrote this great piece criticizing them a little bit for that, and I think it's Bob, smart. You should... He napalmed uh, <laughs> Lambeau Field with that column. I loved it too. It, it was great, and I love that because you should not be so married to any plan that you can't look for value in any way possible, and the Seahawks have done it in the draft looking for guys other teams didn't want, and they've done it in free agency. And this is also why Pete Carroll is – you know, against all odds, has become a great NFL coach. Um, I say that as a Jet fan when he first took the Jet job in 94 and then he stunk in New England, went to USC, and then came to Seattle, and all of a sudden he's uh, winning every year. These guys buy into this plan because Bruce Irvin um, said that there's so much depth on that on that line in that front that he's coming out and getting less snaps, and his quote was, we're winning, though. I ain't even tripping. <laughs> These guys bought in. To this plan, and as long as they win, it, everyone's you know happy. That's what Sessler said to me actually this morning. He's, <laughs> he's got the early shift, you know. He's got to do a couple extra posts, but he knows it's all it's all for the Sessler's team. Big on slang. He ain't tripping. Big on urban <laughs> slang. <laughs> I mean, Pete Carroll could have won the Coach of the Year. I think I I almost wish I voted for him. He he was my pick halfway through the season. Just what he's done overall. Sometimes. The team that's expected to win, you don't give credit to the coach. But what he's done as a as a body of work, to me, is about as impressive as, as anything that's happened in the NFL. You would make the same argument for Bill Belichick. Yeah, I would. This might be Belichick's best coaching job. It's up there. This in 06, when they almost got to the Super Bowl, and, and then Peyton beat them. That was the last time these two teams played in the, in the AFC title. And the game. first Super Bowl year. Last two times these players played, I should say. Sorry, I'm getting a little lost in thought. <laughs> um when when my time comes, my my name gets called by the big guy upstairs. I want to use this platform to say I want my tombstone to say, Dan Hansis, I ain't even tripping. <laughs> Can we do that? Sure. All right, thank yeah. you. It's been said, and now it's been it's been settled. Shall we move on? Let's do it. I, do you want to linger on that for a while? Well, I know. I just, I, when you think about it, when you wrestle with your mortality, these weird thoughts come up. That's all. Crystal can't stop giggling back well, there. She's loving it. You know I can make that happen. 
Will, I ain't even tripping. You know I can engrave your tombstone, Dan. But you can make, I ain't even tripping. You can make his death happen? It would be funny as like a... Hey, uh, hey, I didn't say all that. It would be uh, funny like as a, as a pratfall, too. It, it, people could like literally trip over your tombstone. Uh, mm, interesting. Uh-huh. Colin Kaepernick <laughs> threw one touchdown pass and ran for another score as the San Francisco 49ers defeated the Carolina Panthers 23-10 on Sunday to advance to the NFC Championship game. For the third straight season, Jim Harbaugh, good job by you. Uh, Colin Kaepernick completed 15 of 28 passes for 196 yards, avenging his worst statistical performance of the season two months ago against the Panthers. Better team won here, and it was pretty obvious as you watch the games that went on that San Francisco was much better than Carolina. Oh, I don't know about that. All right. Let's talk about it. I don't Podcast. Know about the Panthers thoroughly outplayed the 49ers for a quarter and a half in the midst of some Awfully one-sided officiating. And I know a league figure, mm. shadowy league figure is coming in the door, but That's awfully him. one-sided officiating that happened throughout the first quarter and a half. They failed to take advantage of those two goal line opportunities, and you just knew they were going to come back to haunt them. Yep. And then after that, they just went in the tank. But I don't think after watching that that I would say the 49ers were definitely a better team. Really? I, yeah. I would because mm. I think that goal, those goal line stands and – Staying in the game when they weren't playing their best, and then doing the long drive at the end of the first half, which is situational football, those are marks of title teams. You know what I mean? That they're going to survive against a really good opponent that's playing well while, while they're not at their best, and then they come out in the second half, and they laid, I mean, they killed them in the second half. Yeah, I, I thought them. the 49ers were mentally tougher. They the, built the, that team that way. You know, we talk we talk about how... Uh, you know, everyone loves each other now, and, and it's not like the old <laughs> days. These teams legitimately hate each other. It could not be more clear as the game was going on. Guys were just taken out of the game. Who's the defender for Carolina that basically ended the game with that personal foul near the end? It was just a matter of time before someone kind of went over the edge, and that's what happened. There was a lot of bad blood on the field. And how about how about Troy Aikman throwing some serious shade at Anquan Bolden? See, I don't. I didn't even. I wasn't even Ooh, listening to that. Yeah. I saw your tweet, but I missed Oofa. what he, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I Troy. saw all these sports writers uh, saying the Panthers deserved to have all these personal fouls because they were playing stupidly. <laughs> Anquan Bolden was playing just as stupidly, First. and Aikman pointed it out. But the refs would not flag Anquan Bolden because he's Anquan Bolden. Right, and you also have to know how far to go and what's too far. I think when guys start throwing headbutts, although Baldwin, I think Baldwin uh, threw the, a headbutt too. The 49ers threw two headbutts. None of them got called. The yeah. Panthers got called for theirs, which led directly to points. Got to talk to Dean Blandino about this. Get the Xbox I would like to know about out. this, yeah. I, I, see, I disagree, though, that back to the point that it was a close game or they wouldn't. I thought this was the most impressive performance by any team on the weekend. It seems like, Dan, you, you kind of agree with me on this. Yeah, I I would be very uh, intimidated if I'm the Seahawks watching game tape of the Niners, how physical and gifted think, they are in the roster. I think the Panthers went in the tank when when the calls went against them. That's what I think. Well, that's not good. I no, mean, it's you, not, but I think that was a factor. That's what I said. I think the 49ers were more mentally tough. Cam Newton, who is as streaky as any quarterback in the league, this was a microcosm of his season. He was on fire for the first half, had – Two bad throws total. One of them he was unlucky enough to get picked off on a tip pass. But they only had 10 points. And then the second half he didn't play that well. And he'll get some heat for it. But how about the Panthers' defense that we talked about all year? You know, the 49ers get the ball back down four points late in the second half, second quarter. 80 yards for a touchdown. Coming out of halftime. 
77 yards for a touchdown. Next drive, eight-minute drive, 73 yards and a field goal. You're done. And that's all the defense couldn't get off the field. Once again, Anquan Bolden took over a playoff game. I think he had catches of 12, 14, 15, 16, and 45 yards on those two scoring, first two scoring drives and took over the game. The, the Panthers' secondary is, you saw it today, it's not good when they're not getting a, a fearsome pass rush. It's very hard for wide receivers to get in the Hall of Fame, as you see a lot of the guys on the waiting list. But if he, if he gets another ring and sticks around for a couple more years, it's his. I have to check his numbers, but he's built a pretty nice resume for a long time, though. He would have to go in under the Lynn Swan postseason heavy resume. Would you put Anquan Bolden over Heinz Ward? I would. I would not. Not yet. I would not yet. He's got a chance if he could somehow put together like another run here, have a Super Bowl MVP, doing it for three different teams gives him a little bonus. He's showed up in the big spots, and sometimes that's what these games come down to. And the 49ers stars came out bigger. Uh, Bolden stuck out to me, and so did Navarro Bowman on a couple plays. One of the biggest plays in the game, I thought, was it was second and goal early in the game, and Cam Newton, or it was first and goal, and Cam Newton runs around the end, and it looks like he's going to score a touchdown. Navarro Bowman has two blockers on him. He sheds both of them. He tackles Newton. They stop him two more plays for that first goal line stand of the game. Bowman makes another huge play later in the game. He, he has been electric all year, and he outplayed Keekley and Davis today. Yes, he did. And those are, like you said, game-changing plays, and that's what makes players great. And it, Going back to Newton for a second, we... We talked about it. I talked about it with Damashek on his podcast, and then we did a organic email chain on the Around the League blog. We all had Cam Newton, eighth of the eight um, mm. remaining quarterbacks, entering divisional round. And it was all about you had to show, show us something, and he, there's going to be questions about him going into next season about his big game pedigree off this. He was dealing in the first oh, half. Oh, I don't think so. Or I don't think there should be. There might be. You're right. But mm. I thought he, who, who played better today, Kaepernick or Newton? I don't think. Kaepernick yeah. played any better? I mean, who played better? Russell Wilson, Philip Rivers. You know, I think Newton I did Newton, a lot of good things. He he was in a he got in a nice groove there, but once once the tide turned away from him, he wasn't able to get them back. I mean, you got to put a lot on him because he is that offense. I put it more on the front seven. We talked which team was going to be tougher in this game in the short yardage situations. There's and no the front seven, the, the, for, the 49ers were short yardage on offense and defense. The 49ers were tougher. In an away game. It almost shows that quarterbacks occasionally, at least in this matchup, I almost feel like their importance would be overrated because I don't think there was much of a difference between Kaepernick and Newton. The rest of the team decided this. That's the theme of Divisional Round Weekend. Mm, these. We, had the, we had these eight, I like themes. We I had these the eight quarterbacks that we, <laughs> these, that we had this debate about, and we ranked them, and in the end... It it ended up being a lot more about power running games than quarterbacks this weekend. And defense. And defense. And you could actually read about West Gabe. I thought a thoughtful and nuanced take about that in our what we learned on the Around Thank the League you, blog. Dan. You know, Greg, that's where you jump in. I want you should be throwing that plug in there for the blog. I, I threw it out earlier in the podcast. Uh, See, bring it back. You've got to be listening as host. Just bring it back. I don't care who it comes from as long as you guys build up my ego. <laughs> <laughs> this is I mean, it, it, you started the show by talking about how it sets up such a a great weekend, and it does. I mean, when was the last time that you saw all the teams you expected? And not just going into the weekend, the best teams in the NFL this season, 
but really the teams that were expected to be there before this season. The teams that were all in the mix as the very best teams in the league last season. Everyone had the Seahawks and 49ers meeting, and here they are. They've hated each other for years. Manning and Brady have been building to this game since the day Manning signed with Denver, and now here it is. It's so rare that— I love it. It's so rare that we couldn't. We weren't even allowed to believe it, it because all of the know-it-alls on Twitter told us that the best teams never make it. Well, uh, they, it almost—you have to admit that it never happens this way. Almost that that the exact thing that everyone expected happens. And I'm glad it did because you know the thing I thought about San Francisco and Seattle. I think this game is at the level of the old Cowboys Niners rivalry in the '90s, where it was. Potentially the two best teams squaring off. And if you got out of the NFC title game, you won the Super Bowl. The only difference this year is what happened a lot during that era in the early 90s was that game would happen and then someone would get just pasted in the AFC in the Super Bowl. And the AFC this year, you have two great teams with iconic quarterbacks. So not only are we going to get an amazing next Sunday, the Super Bowl is going to be sick. True well, story. Yeah. It would be great if we didn't already know that Seattle's going to win in a blowout. Yeah, right? well, <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to bring it up because I did let the the people know on Twitter months ago that Seattle would blow out the Broncos in the in the Super Bowl, but try not to think about that and just not, enjoy what we have coming I'm up. I'm not confident that Daryl Bevel's offense is going to be doing blowing out any blowing out any <laughs> old school quarterbacks, new school quarterbacks on the other side. It's almost quarterbacks. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, too easy. Colin Kaepernick, Russell Wilson. 20 years from now, they're all in the Hall of Fame. Wow. Really? Easy oh, there. yeah. Getting a little ahead of yourself. Easy they're there. All in. Easy there, Jaworski. <laughs> yeah. what Colin about? Kaepernick will walk on water by the end of the at season. Least, at Jaws. least two of them will be in the Hall of Fame. They, at least two. I mean, I know. All right. I got a little excited. Manning and Brady aren't going to last forever. And I don't How many more times are they going to get a swing at the bat to win this extra title that they this wanted? Could be it. Right, and this could be it. And for now, at least, this feels kind of like you mentioned it. That's a perfect comparison. The early '90s with power teams. These are four power teams that have been building up to this and have been very good for a while. Like these aren't teams that are sneaking up on anyone. When we were, one of our assignments in the off season uh, was when the schedule comes out. What are the big games? Who are the big teams? These were the four powerhouses in the NFL back then. Well, except for all those clowns that took the Texans to the Super Bowl. We'll talk, we'll talk about <laughs> there all were, the, There were a few. We'll go over some picks uh, later this week on the podcast on Tuesday and see how they panned out. Uh, Kay Rich, before we go today, uh, how about you know, a little Stitcher plug? What's going on with Stitcher? Yeah, guys, you know, we're all this Super Bowl talk, but the Around the League podcast and my best Matt Money Smith voice <laughs> has its own Super Bowl going on. Guys, we're up for the best sports commentary in 2013 Mm. so everyone all of our listeners please vote for us for best sports commentary nfl atl at (laughs) stitcher s-t-i-t-c-h-e-r dot p-r-o-m-o-t-w that's promo t-w dot com because we want to win did you? Seduction Sunday. Yes. yes. Did you know, K. Rich, that you could vote every day? This is almost as shameless as Kaepernick's Superman uh, no shame. celebration. No shame. We're, we want to win. Like Dan said, world domination. Yes. That, yeah, that Kaepernick thing. What was up with that, I by wanted the way? To, Crystal, you had a hot take on this. You seem to be somewhat offended by this Kaepernick celebration. 
Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I'll let I'll throw that to Wes. <laughs> and let Wes say what he said, and then well, I'll comment after. I think it'll make more sense. Why don't sense. I jump in and explain what it was? He pulled his. He he mocked Cam Newton after a touchdown run on Sunday, showing the Superman uh, chest, and then and then there was some type of Instagram that Kaepernick put up later that was a little odd that Wes didn't understand. <laughs> it, it was did some I. kind of callback to his fraternity in which his nickname was Kryptonite. Yeah, and then he's also doing the Superman pose, so he's got all kinds of Superman. Things going on. It was meant to be. Now, this is what I think, and I'm sorry. This is just my thoughts disclaimer from the <laughs> NFL. <laughs> that, you know, to save my behind. Now, yeah. listen, that you can say whatever you want to say. That was from your fraternity. I'm well familiar with the Divine Nine or whatever fraternities that he may have been in. Hmm. That was a total throw at Cam Newton, he was mocking him. Yeah. If you you can't put it any other way. And Kaepernick, by the way, is this close. And Isn't if that you're fun? listening, my fingers are very close together to annoying me. He's you know he's favoriting the haters wow. on Twitter, and he's mocking Cam Newton, and then he's putting up some silly Instagram from his old frat oh, days. Oh, he already hey, annoys you know, me. Everybody, you uh, know, Cam, just relax. Oh, pipe down. You know who he reminds me of? Steve Smith, your boy, ice up, son, having a little fun. What's wrong with teams not liking each other? Don't we like this little trash talking? And wake up. Well, and also, if we're going to talk about creepy <laughs> commercials and Papa John, what about the commercial where he's on the bus, Cam Ka- Kaepernick, and then he gets off the bus, and that the bad uh, song is on. That's uh, the sample of Elton John, and then someone throws a cooler through the windshield, and there's, it's like a last Boy Scout situation. Is anybody? Did you guys see this commercial? I haven't seen. <laughs> Sorry. Am I the only one that watches commercials? You I don't yes. television. Uh, well, these are happening during the game. Do uh, you guys have a feed that I don't have? We actually do. It's called the clean feed. Uh, yeah, there you go. Or, you know, I use it to get some issue. water, to talk some trash. But, hey, I like it these days. I'm a consumer. I, I'm an American. I use the commercials for blocking people on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look for that commercial because it's a little off-putting, like Colin Kaepernick to me. Anyway, we will be back on Tuesday. We're going to begin, which will be a big week for... The podcast in the NFL as we head toward one of the great title weekends in a long time. Uh, but until then, uh, and hopefully Cecil will be back. I assume he will be. Sure. Good. I'll approve that. Mark, come back to us. Until then, this is Dan Hansen signing off for The Mailman, The Boss, K. Rich Behind the Glass. Uh, K. Rich Behind right. the Glass. Until Tuesday. Till Tuesday. That's the name of an 80s band. No. Wes, Voices carry. Get with the times, Wes. Come Amy on. Voices carry. Amy, Amy, Amy Mann. Mann. Yeah, yeah Till Tuesday. Coming up close. Sunday. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.